Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another Bible study session. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. It's so good to have you here. So before we start, let us say a quick prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for another time to worship you and to learn from your word as a community. We ask that you open the eyes of our hearts today to hear what you are saying to us at this moment. Father, open the eyes of our faith to see that which is eternal so that we may move with a conviction that does not hold on to unbelief, even in the face of impossibilities, but that our faith becomes empowered by your word and that our faith grows in confidence that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength and that our faith is strengthened by the finished work of the cross and in knowing that he who started this work in us is faithful to complete it until the day you return, O God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you give me the tongues of the ready writer and that you speak through me today, not my words, but yours, O God. O God, my Father, be with my mouth and teach me what to say every time I speak. I declare that I become lesser and lesser and Christ becomes greater and greater in me. Lord, we thank you. We adore you. We welcome you tonight. Glory be to your name. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. So today we'll be studying John chapter 4, and I'm going to read it from verses 1 to, from verse 1 to 26. Um, but before we start, I would like to do a recap from our last session, especially for, you know, just to refresh our memory. So our last session, we, stood, we studied John chapter 3, verse 22 to 36, and here's a quick recap. Number one, there's always provision for your assignment you must be located or you must locate where the provision for the assignment is. People will come to you to get the provision. It is not you chasing them. Number two, you can't do anything for God under his authority without getting the authority from God to do it. You must be called and you must be sent. Number three, when God sends you, he equips you with the fullness of everything that you need to do his work. Everything you need has been provided by God because he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit without measure. Number four, we must learn to submit to the authority of Jesus over our lives so that he can continue to increase in us, um, enabling us to be more like him. This practically means submitting ourselves and our, and our ways to God through his word and asking the Holy Spirit to guide and lead us. Finally, if you dare to believe in Jesus, you would also be able to testify that God is true and real, not just as a religious activity or a religion that you worship, but as a person you can relate with and have encounters that are experiential, that we're like, as, as one we're going to learn tonight, an encounter in John chapter four, and then you'll be able to experience that God is true and he is real. So that's just a recap from our last session. And we're today, we're going to be going into John chapter four. And so let's open our Bibles to John chapter four, verses one to 26. So I will be reading the Christian Standard Bible, and I'm going to start from verse one. When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, 
though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of he came to a town of Samaria called Sika, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. Verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciple had gone into town to buy food. How long is this? How long is it that you, how is it? Okay, sorry, verse nine says, how is it that you, a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And verse 10, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Verse 11, sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Verse 15, sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. And then he said, go call your husband. He told her and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband. She said, for you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Verse 19, sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So jumping right in. So verses one to four says, therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisee had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, even though he wasn't the one baptizing them. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Basically, Jesus heard that the, the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing more people than John was. So that's John the Baptist. Although he wasn't the one baptizing, but his disciples, which is very interesting to me because if, if you guys recollect in John chapter three, it was implied in verse 25 that it was, it was Jesus that was baptizing the people. And so it got me thinking that what could have been happening here? And then I had a thought about two possibilities that there are two things that might've been happening here. 
One is that people will always carry half truths about what you're doing or a situation. They will never tell the full truth. Um, the people who carried the news to the Pharisees in John 3.25 didn't explicitly say it was the disciples baptizing. The people, they said it was Jesus. So that's one option is that people just never just, they just half truth is just littered everywhere. The second possibility is that they couldn't distinguish between Jesus and his disciples. The disciples were so much in the image of Jesus and and just believed in, and they just, they be, behaved in similar mannerisms that the people couldn't distinguish between Jesus and his disciples. Um, Jesus must have empowered them to baptize the people by showing them what to do. And then it was basically a situation where Jesus was like, you do and I watch. So the people couldn't tell the difference, right? Because remember, Jesus was also fully man too. So what this means is that for us is that we can and we have the potential to begin to look more and more like Jesus and in his image to the point that others would almost, not to blaspheme, but will almost call you Jesus because of the greater works that you are doing that he has empowered you to do. Another lesson here is that as leaders um, in our spheres of influence, we must empower our followers and those you lead to do what you do. So in this case, Jesus was showing them how to baptize that the, the, the disciples of John and the Pharisees thought it was actually Jesus doing it. I just, I don't know, it just, that fascinates me. Um, and so if we look at, if we move on to verse three, it then says, Jesus left Judea to Galilee. Sometimes when there's unnecessary tension or rivalry starting to arise such that it will turn you and a fellow believer or a fellow co-laborer in the work, doing the work of God into rivals in the eyes of the people. One, can we go on mute? Okay, thank you. One must, sorry, I just lost my thing of thought. Okay, sometimes, when unnecessary tension or rivalry is starting to arise such that it will turn you and a fellow believer or a co-laborer doing the work of God into rivals in the eyes of people, one must take the higher road and move on to the next thing. This is what Jesus did here. Jesus left Judea to Galilee to go into his next assignment when he saw that, when he saw what was happening, it was definitely not worth it. So don't linger there. Don't stay in that place of tension and rivalry and foil the naysayers. Move on to the next phase of your assignment. This can also be a trigger to know when to move on to the next phase of your vision, your idea, your assignment, or when it's a time to shift focus to the next level or opportunity. Sometimes you're waiting for God to speak, but sometimes the situation speaks for itself. So know when to move, just know when to move on. In this case, the next phase of Jesus' assignment was to go to Galilee, but he wanted to stop in Samaria. There was an encounter waiting to happen. And I hope we all have an encounter tonight because we're about to encounter Jesus himself by the well. So when we move on to verse eight, verses five to eight, we see Jesus sitting by Jacob's well. So, so Jacob in the Bible is well known for his encounters with God, like, He's his, his the encounter guy. And because of his encounters with God, God blessed him through the wells he dug. So 
which was kind of like his business, like his nine to five. So he used the wealth to provide for his family and the people in a dry land, which is why his wealth was so significant. So Jesus sat by his well to rest from his trip. This is also significant because Jacob was a man of encounters and the woman Jesus would meet at this well would have an encounter with Jesus. So the significance of Jesus sitting at the well was both prophetic and literal and very intentional. What this means is that God is always intentional with encounters and with everything in general. If you look closely at your life, you will see his hand everywhere. So the fact that this event took place at this well signified that she was coming into an encounter that she didn't know. And because it was an encounter experience, Jesus wanted to show the woman that though this well provided by Jacob gave the people physical sustenance, his will gives eternal sustenance. An encounter that turned an ordinary well with water that into a supernatural well of living waters. Jesus himself is the well of water she needed, but she didn't know. And so in verse six, it says, Jesus was exhausted from his journey and doing the work God had called him to, from doing the work God had called him to do. And one thing I know for sure is that supernatural work drains you. <laughs> Plus it was also walking a lot. So I'm sure he was extremely exhausted and he needed to be replenished. It also says that it was around noon and just park that and I'll talk about that a bit. I mean, if Jesus who was both fully God and man can get exhausted <laughs> and he needed to rest, I don't see why we as individuals don't prioritize rest. Some of us just work, 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 work until we burn out. We must rest. Even God the Father rested on the seventh day. And I want us to know rest is not sleep. Some people say they are resting. They're not resting. It's not just about sleeping. Rest is a quieting of your soul and your mind. It is where you get replenished in your spirit and your soul. You feel this inner calm. There's no anxiety. Or there are no worries. We must all prioritize rest if we want to last long on this journey. And remember, like I said, it said noon. This also means that you can take afternoon breaks. <laughs> to replenish a quick 15 minute power nap, power up, you know, just relaxing your mind. Don't think about any meditation, whatever you do to just rest, like just really quiet your soul, you know, so you can take lunch. You can take, you can, Jesus took lunch break. <laughs> well, he took lunch breaks. So a lot of times we feel like, oh my God, I need to keep working, but trust me, your work can wait. It is more about the value you're delivering than the work in itself. But let me focus on my focus right now. So Jesus took a break at noon. He rested. He was able to quiet his soul. He sent away the disciples so he could quiet the voices around him. He wasn't engaging his disciples. Some of us need to send the noise and distractions away. Take a break from the noise. Make your, make your rest environment conducive to rest. You know, if you have to send people off, send them off. If you have to go away, do that, right? Because in a place of rest, we are replenished. In a place of rest, we're able to positively impact other people because our soul is quiet. There's no noise. If Jesus himself had to replenish after all the work he had been doing, then we should be resting and we should be replenishing too. Take mid-breaks, observe your, observe your Sabbath, take retreats, go on vacation, you know, 
and don't work during vacation as well. Again, work can wait. <laughs> and we can see here that in the place of rest and replenishing, Jesus was also empowered. So Jesus came to Jacob's well to replenish both physically and spiritually. I know I'm talking a lot about rest, but God wants all of us to be well rested in this season, which is why I'm kind of pressing in on that a bit. Again, rest is both physical and spiritual, nourishing both body and soul. Third John chapter two says, chapter one, verse two says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Please prioritize rest. We also see here that in the moment where Jesus wanted to do something different, something from the norm, he didn't do it in front of the people who would criticize him because his disciples were definitely not about talking to Samaritans. Like they were his disciples, but they were not, they were not open-minded. <laughs> That's the truth. Like Peter, Peter, the Peter didn't even want to talk to Gentiles. It was Paul that had to, right? And that's a topic for another day. But Jesus didn't do it in front of the people who would criticize him. He made them go away. He sent his disciples away so that he could do what he needed to do and make that connection with the woman. So what this means is that sometimes we just have to distance ourselves from the naysayers or the people that keep us from stepping outside of our comfort zone or taking that big leap or doing something outside of the norm of culture that you know that God has called you to do. Send them away if you have to. Keep them busy. Be smart about it. Jesus was smart. He said, go get food. <laughs> you know, by the time the disciples returned, he had accomplished his mission. So don't focus on them. Focus on the goal in front of you and use wisdom to get the work done. We also see that in our place of rest, we, we make the deepest connections with both God and man. We are replenished spiritually. And as a result, we make better and meaningful, better meaningful conversations with others. Jesus was able to deeply connect with the Samaritan woman in his place of rest and replenishing. I'm sure with, with these points of mine, I've been able to convince you that why we need to rest. <laughs> so moving on, moving on to verse nine to 12. Verse nine says, then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew asked a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Again, the woman was surprised that Jesus, a Jew, would engage her because she was a Samaritan woman. I mean, just think about the complexities. Jew to Samaritan, then a woman. Wow. Jesus was literally crossing all the lines, crossing boundaries, breaking, just stepping outside of the comfort zone of culture and the norm. You know, back then, the Jews didn't associate with Samaritans, not to talk of a woman. Wow, <laughs> Jesus was a, it was a pace setter. <laughs> it was a pace setter. Um, I wouldn't even go into the details of that, but um, but the, the point to note is that as disciples whose role model is Jesus, we must be like him. We should be filled with so much God that we have the courage to do what others can't do or don't do. We must be pumped to step out. We must have the courage to interact with people that others don't want to associate with, to engage other cultures, people that are not like us, things that you, you would normally not do. And I'm, I'm not saying conform, but I'm saying be open-minded enough to embrace people or opportunities outside of your comfort zone, zone or your cultural norms, which is what Jesus did here. 
And if we see in the subsequent verse, in verse 10, that Jesus he was using this moment of drawing water from a well to teach the woman about the power of the word, which is the living water. Jesus talked about how he was talking about the living water, which is the word of God, and how it can transform her life from just being a regular person that she identified herself as and one who had been labeled by her community, you know, as pretty much a prostitute slash an adulteress because she had like so many husbands, right? To someone who can access living waters, you know, to someone who can use the power of God to change her life. And so Jesus said to her, if you drink the water that I will give you, you will never thirst again. What he was saying is that when I give you a word that will change your life, you will never have to come to this well again to fetch water, to prove your worth to the community that you are an honorable woman. You see, the Samaritan woman came to the well to drop water because she wanted to feel respected in her community. Coming to the well to drop water was what the women did for work back in the days. It was a, and it was a respectable thing to do. That was their nine to five. By doing this, the Samaritan woman thought she was gaining the respect of the people, right? Coming to the well, you know, doing her work. And then in verse 11, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. Um, and the, the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You know, at this point, she was intrigued. Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? So at this point, she realized this was her burning bush moment, her moment of disruption, her moment of encounter with God. Jesus drew her in with his words and the mere fact that he was a Jew engaging her. So that just triggered something in her. And so when he said, I will give you living water, it was just like when God drew Moses in with the burning bush. This sparked her interest and she wanted to know more. She asked more questions and she engaged him. What are, my question to everyone tonight, including myself, is are, you, are we able to recognize our burning bush moment, our encounter with living waters, the moment when Jesus is calling you, when he's trying to engage you with something deeper, with a destiny changing word? Do you recognize your encounter moment just like the woman at the well or just like Moses did? We must be sensitive and discerning of our moments of divine encounter so that we can engage it. It is at that moment of engagement that Jesus is able to give us access to his living waters that is made readily available to us anyways. But we must engage it. We must engage it. We must, yes, Jenny, yes to rest. We must engage it. And so when we move, when we move on to verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will will thirst again. So that's the water from the well, but whoever drinks of the water I will give will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will spring up into everlasting life. What Jesus, what Jesus was telling her was that if you keep coming back to this world to seek validation of your worth, because that's what she was doing, right? She kept coming back to show that she was, she was amongst the honorable women in society by coming, doing her nine to five, so to speak. So it was saying, if you keep coming back to this world to seek validation of your worth, you would always have to keep up. <laughs> you would always have to keep fetching water all days of your life just to show that you're, you're a respectable woman in your society. But if you get living water from me, if you get a word from me, hack, 
Kali. You will never seek validation anymore. The word I will give you will become a fountain that springs up inside of you to lead you on to everlasting life. The word is alive, it is real, and it is active. So how does this apply to us? I want to bring it down to a practical level. All you need is a word from God to deliver you and set you free from the things that hold you down. Whether it's yourself, whether it's approval from others, validation from others, or even your work, nine to five, your business. Jesus was telling the woman that these things bring only temporary satisfaction, but that he has water, rivers of living water, which is his word and the Holy Spirit that he can, sup that can supply words that will build you up to the point that you wouldn't need to seek those things to validate your, to validate your worth, to validate your identity. When you know the word of God and what it says about you, you can stand strong in who you are because of whose you are. That is what the rivers of living water does. It makes you strong. You stand strong. You don't have to worry about what others say or what they think about you or even what you think about yourself and say about yourself. Your goal and your focus is what God thinks and says about you. Glory to God. I just think that is so powerful. And then if we move on quickly to verse 15 to 20, in verse 15, we see the woman excited about this living water. She's so excited. She's like, heck yeah, like this is what I need. Like this, this is what I need right now. <laughs> she knew this was a moment of encounter, her disruption from the norm, her call to destiny, her call to new life. This woman found a connection to Jesus and in Jesus. And she engaged so much that she was the one who brought the news of Jesus into, some, into the town in Samaria and preached the gospel to them. Isn't that just amazing? An encounter that made a woman that the community rejected. God, she community rejected her and labeled her as worthless. And she was the person who preached the gospel to the entire community. I just love how God loves a great comeback story. I feel like it's almost like in your face, guys, take that. I don't know. This is just in my head. But she encountered destiny. She engaged into it and she, and she stepped into destiny at that moment. And then Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, oh, I have no husband. Of course, being God, he knows everything, right? But what Jesus was doing in that moment, which he does to us, but a lot of us don't know, is that he was checking to see if she would be truthful. Remember the Bible says, and Jesus himself said, I came for the sick and the lost, not the healthy and the found. You can't get healed unless you admit or acknowledge that you are sick. You can't get delivered unless you admit that you need help. You can't get saved unless you admit you need saving. It is usually when you're open with God, he can do his best work in you and for you. So the woman responded that she didn't have a husband. Well, it, it's a good thing that she didn't lie because Jesus was really happy with her response. And, I, and the reason why I said he was happy was because in verse 18, he said, for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly, like in that US, you spoke the truth. The truth is this, <laughs> truth is sexy to God. When we're just open, he's, he just loves it when we're just truthful about our, our feelings, you know? And Jesus told her about herself. She could sense that, okay, something is, there's something up about this man. Like he's, 
It's not normal. She figured that he must be a prophet, you know, because how does he know so much about me? Ultimately, when we are honest with ourselves and with God, we give God the room and permission to do his work for us and in us. But when we are not truthful, we limit him from doing his work. Her vulnerability and openness allowed Jesus to bring healing and deliverance to her. Just like when Mo- just like Moses being vulnerable, showing his vulnerability that he wasn't worthy to save the people, God's people, the children of Israel, when he encountered God in the burning bush. You know, God loves to see us rely on him. And when we show our vulnerability to him, you know, he loves it. It's not when we think that we've got it all figured out. Like if we have it figured out, then we don't need God, right? So God loves him when we're open. And then in verse 19, the woman, we see the woman asked Jesus to clarify a question that she had about the religious activities and how they worshiped. She wanted to know the right way to worship God. She wanted to know if the Jews nailed it better than the Samaritans. Like who is worshiping God the right way? You know, these are the same questions that many Christians have today. And we ask which church or denomination is worshiping God the right way. And we go crazy with our thoughts and questions. And and Jesus was like, hold up, hold up. Let me shift your perspective real quick. And moving on to verse 21, Jesus started shifting our perspective. He said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. Remember, Jesus always wants to elevate our thinking to the higher realm. So he was telling her, you are focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on the old thing. Can't you see what I'm doing? I'm doing a new thing. God is always doing a new thing and we must be aware of it. Don't focus on what man looks at. Focusing on where you worship, how you worship. Focus on what God is doing. And so in verse 23 to 24, he says, but the hour is coming. The time is coming. And when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth, for the father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. What Jesus was basically saying was that forget the method of worship, focus on the principle of worship. Forget the old way you or the Jews worship. When I die and resurrect, there will be a new way to worship. God is always doing a new thing. The challenge is that human beings, we get so caught up in the method, how the, how God does things, and we forget his principle. Remember, God's principle never changes. His method might change, but his principle will never change. So what Christ is saying is that focus on the principle of worship. He says, where true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. He was showing us the hard posture of true worship. The principle of worship is that worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. When they worship God, when we pray, when we worship God, they are connected to his spirit through the Holy Spirit and they speak the truth of the word of God. It's not about a physical building, but how worship is conducted is in a heart posture, which is why I love the song we played in here. We are the church. It is not a building. And thank God for... I mean, I may not say thank God for COVID, but the pandemic showed us that church is not a building. Like right now we are church, right? So, and then also remember out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. So a heart that is filled with more spirit will speak more truth because the spirit is truth. And as such, you can worship God in spirit and in truth. This is why we must guard our hearts and do a heart check regularly. We must always pray that Jesus increases in us right? How do we do this? Again, it's by studying the word and by praying. This is the only way. 
This is the only way we can do it. You can't experience the supernatural if you don't get these fundamentals of building an intimate relationship with God, right? Revelations chapter 5, verse 12 says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And all these things are available to us as disciples, but they come from a place of intimacy with Jesus, with God. So, so Jesus was telling the Samaritan woman, the Jewish will, um, whether you're thinking the Jewish will worship, the Samaritan will worship, it don't matter. <laughs> Because it's only a matter of time that it won't matter where you're worshiping, the physical location or the intricacies of the way you worship, whether you, you know, you know, you know, humans, we have like just different things we look at, like, oh, this is the way I worship, this is the way somebody else will worship, and my way is the is the right way. You know, he's saying that's not good, that's that's not gonna matter anymore. What will matter is the individual's heart posture of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And we know that truth is a requirement to worship God. And we know that Jesus is truth. So we are now in those times that Jesus talked about when he says, the time to worship God is in spirit and in truth. This is the time now where true worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. This is who and what God is looking for in each and every one of us. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. This means we must worship him by being connected in the spirit and in Jesus, which is the word of God. So that means don't just pray or worship, pray his word, sing his word, connect in his spirit, sing songs that are anointed, sing songs that, that connect with worship. So when you really want to, you know, sometimes you, there are some songs you sing or actually with songs, it's always hard, not, it's always tricky to know. Um, typically, if the Holy Spirit leads you to a song, just know that that song is anointed for is you're basically worshiping spirit because he led you to it. So it's anointed for that particular situation. Why is leading you to that song? This is why you must always be led by the spirit. Um, and if he's um, so, but sometimes you know there are some songs that are not they are they might even be Christian songs, but they are not necessarily anointed. In those cases, they are just singing to sing. But when you really want to worship, like you are saying, God, I want to really worship and really go intimate. We must worship in spirit and in truth and connect to his spirit. And finally, in verse 25 to 26, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, hi, I who speak to you, I'm he. <laughs> the woman wanted to learn more. She had heard and she had studied about the Messiah. She knew her stuff. She had been diligent in seeking out information about this Messiah. Jesus loved it. And he was teaching her the deep things of God. You see, you see, the point here is when you come to God curious, when he and he, he loves to teach you, when you're coming expectant, at the end of and at the end of this, he revealed himself to the woman. Likewise, when we engage Jesus at this level of depth, this level of communication, this level of vulnerability and of openness, he would always reveal himself to you. He always does that. This is who God is. He is good and he's kind and always wants us to reveal. He always wants to reveal himself to us. That's the truth. But to those who diligently seek him, he's not just going to reveal himself to anybody. You must diligently seek God because Hebrews 11, 11 verse 6 says, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So finally, as I wrap up, 
as we did, like being here tonight is diligently seeking. I know some of us are dining in from, from, you know, from Africa, so a different time zone. And even those of us spending our evening tonight, you know, dialing in, it says, if we diligently seek him, as we diligently and intentionally seek Jesus, his word, living waters. Remember, his word, God's word is living waters. You know, the Holy Spirit. We have countless opportunities for God to reveal himself to us at, at every encounter. Every time we come into the presence of Jesus, is a possibility for an encounter. Is a possibility for him to reveal himself to us, just like he did for Moses, just like he did um, to the Samaritan woman at the well. I pray that tonight that the Lord would encounter each and every one of us, even as we pray. I pray that tonight light, I, I believe and I pray that this word that's gone out tonight has released light and answered questions um, for us tonight. So that's the end of the teaching. Thank you, God, for a wonderful teaching. Amen, 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 amen. So I will quickly summarize and then we can go to Q&A and then prayers and then we're done. So I love to summarize because it helps us like, you know, just wrap up. So here are the key things to enable you to live an extraordinary life in God and on earth. So number one, in our place of rest, we make the deepest connections with God and with man. So we must prioritize rest, not sleep, but rest. Remember that. Number two, we should be filled with so much of God in us that we have the courage to do what others can't do or don't do or won't do, you know, in order to reach souls for God. Number three, we must be sensitive and discerning of our divine encounter moment so that we can engage it because it is at that moment of engagement, Jesus is able to give us access to his living waters. So that word that will shift your life in the path of destiny. Number four, the hard posture of true worship must be in spirit and in truth. So we must worship God in spirit by the Holy Spirit and in truth by studying the word. So by speaking the word, um, your worship must have a foundation in the word of God and in the spirit of God. Finally, when you engage Jesus at a level of depth of communication and a level of vulnerability, at a level of openness, at a level of truth, he will always reveal himself to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So let us pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for a wonderful time in your presence. Thank you for teaching us your word. It is your word. It's the living waters that we need for this month. It's the living waters that we need today. Lord Jesus, today we ask that you give us your living waters. We don't want to thirst no more. We don't want to seek validation and approval of our identity and our worth from other people, from our work, from ourselves, but from the truth of your word, oh God. Give us your, li your living waters today in the name of Jesus. Lord, I declare that we are a people who can embrace and receive truth. So today, give us your truth, oh God. Give us the word that will shift our lives on the path of destiny, on the path of righteousness. In the name of Jesus, Father, I ask that you disrupt our plans for your plans. You disrupt our will for your will. And you give us an encounter that will set us on the right path of destiny. In the name of Jesus, I declare that as a community and as your church, we are worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth, oh God. I declare that our heart posture of worship and prayer is soaked in spirit and in the truth of your word. 
I declare that we are we are those who diligently and intentionally seek you, oh God. I declare upon this house and on everyone listening that power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessings that was given to the lamb that was slain is made available to us in abundance, exceedingly abundantly above that which we can ever think or imagine. Lord, help us. Help us. For your grace is sufficient for us and your strength is made perfect in our weakness. We do not come in our own strength or in our righteousness, but we come in our weakness, in our vulnerability, open and humble before the throne of grace today. And we ask that you teach us, guide us, instruct us, and reveal yourself to us even as we diligently seek you. Lord, you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So, Father, Lord, I pray tonight in your mercy and in your grace and in your covenant, Lord, that you reward everyone for coming tonight. Because you reward those who diligently seek you and obey you. He said, your reward for obedience shall be great. Lord, as everyone came tonight obeying the call, Lord, you will reward reward them above that which they can imagine. Father, Lord, I thank you. We thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for teaching us and always showing up when I call. Lord, we thank you. Mighty warrior, mighty king, we honor you. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. We adore you and we say thank you, Abba. Thank you, Abba. I cover these prayers with the blood of Jesus because we overcome and we overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we have declared our testimony in prayers tonight as a community. You said where two or more are gathered in your name you are here. And I know that you are here. And this word has gone forth to God. And so we declare that these prayers are signed, sealed and delivered unto victory in the mighty matchless name of Jesus, the name above every other name. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Holy Spirit. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen, 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 amen. Don't forget, if these sessions are blessing you, please feel free to share the link. The link is also in the chat for that. So you can, you know, bookmark it. You can share with your friends as well. Again, I'm always praying for you. That is what I do. That is why I'm here. And so good to have everybody on here tonight. It's amazing to see our regulars and new faces. Welcome. 